Happy New Year and welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm 4 for 4 Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my partner in crime, Roster Coach Founder, Mr. TJ Hernandez. What's up, TJ? What's up, Chris? Uh, early Happy New Year. Just getting ready for Week 17. Always an interesting week, uh, final week of the regular season. So I'm ready to do this, man. Definitely. How was your uh, Christmas dinner and stuff? Oh, man, it was good. Uh, got a got a full day off, which was really nice. I think that was the first one um, all football season. So that was nice. Sit back, uh, have some good food, have some good drinks. Hope, hope you and the listeners had a good Christmas as well. Oh, yeah. I know I texted you telling you that I had some uh, Kyle Yusuf <laughs> yeah. exposure. So I was really happy about that last drive of the uh the Pittsburgh game, but it was good. I was at my grandma's house. I saw a picture of myself from, I think, 1995, where I had a Rodney Hampton wow. Rodney Hampton uh, Giants jersey on. So that was interesting. Nice. Maybe I'll post that on Twitter. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> the song that played us in was Still Not a Player by Big Pun and Joe off 1999's Capital Punishment, pretty good song, pretty smooth song, nice way to bring the New Year's in. I'm uh, not a player, but I crush a lot, so, you know, thought that was a good good choice there. Yeah, and I think that was a, um, a special request put in by a friend of the podcast, Run for Johnny. He's been asking for some from pun for a while, so shout out to Rummy with the big pun. Oh, word, I didn't even realize that. Uh, I would have played some pun a long time ago if I knew that. That's <laughs> one of my favorite artists. He's from my hometown. The Boogie Down Bronx, rest in peace, big pun. Had a couple of great albums back there in the late 90s. For our DFS Theory segment today, our DFS MVP, we're going to start it off and we're just going to talk about the motivation for all the different teams in Week 17 because if you're playing on this full slate in Week 17, you're going to have to know which teams are playing for something, which teams are going to rest their starters. And we're recording this Wednesday night. So we do know pretty much who's motivated and who's not. We don't know everything yet. Um, there's still um, some things to be determined about exactly which teams are going to uh, rest their starters or how long they're going to play. So we'll go over all those things. I'll do it for the AFC and TJ will do it for the NFC. And if you guys want to see this in written form, you can also go to 4 for 4. And Josh Moore actually wrote an article entitled uh, Wacky Week 17, Who's Motivated. So you can check that out and see uh, it in writing of which teams are playing for what. And he breaks things down into highly motivated, slightly motivated, uh, etc. So we'll start it off in the AFC. And the big news is that the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Houston Texans both have nothing to play for. The Steelers are locked in to the three seed as the... AFC North champs, and then the Texans are locked into the four seed as the AFC South champs after the Titans and Colts both lost last week. So as of right now for the Steelers, it looks like their big three is going to rest. Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell, and Antonio Brown. Their center, Pouncey, also expected to rest. So the big thing here is that You'll probably see 
a lot of work for the running backs. That'll be either D'Angelo Williams, who's averaging 112.9 yards per game and 1.08 touchdowns per game when Le'Veon Bell has been out over these last two seasons on 22.5 touches per game. Now, Williams has been dealing with injury of his own. He's been practicing uh, this last week or so, last two weeks, but there is a slight chance, I think, that they might hold him out as well. We haven't heard that yet, but that's something to keep in mind. If not, it would be Fitzgerald Toussaint uh, in the lead back role. Can also expect a lot of Eli Rogers. Uh, likely, Ladarius Green practicing this week, but I don't think they would probably play him either. Sammy Coates, same thing. If those guys are coming back off injury, I'm not sure they'd want to risk those guys, especially Ladarius Green with the concussions. Um, I could see Coates maybe playing just to get himself back acclimated, but since he won't be working with Ben Roethlisberger anyway, probably not. But either way, that's a that's big news for Eli Rogers. A lot of opportunity for Rogers there as well as uh, Kobe Hamilton and Jesse James. Landry Jones will make the start at quarterback, and then for the uh, Cleveland Browns in this same game, they're actually motivated as well in a different way. They're motivated to lose because if they lose, they can guarantee themselves the first pick in the next year's draft. So I would think the Browns, uh, given their analytically minded front office, would probably be trying to lose. I know some NFL teams are go out there and say, hey, we never try to lose, we're always trying to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if behind the scenes the Browns were kind of pulling to lose this game. I don't think it will be difficult. Pittsburgh's still a six-point favorite at home. And for the Texans, Bill O'Brien has said that he will play his starters um, as of now. I think his tune may change a little, although Tom Savage, because he is a new starting quarterback, they may feel he does need work with his receivers, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. So I could actually see Savage playing maybe a half or more of this game. I think all the passing game options are still risky, but there is some upside there. The Titans are ranked dead last in 4 for 4s schedule-adjusted quarterback fantasy points allowed and wide receiver fantasy points allowed. So a little bit of upside there. Um, those guys aren't too expensive, but I think there is a chance that they could get pulled early in this game. And then you got Alfred Blue, who may still play a ton of snaps. I, I can't really see them putting Lamar Miller in harm's way. He's been dealing with an ankle injury all season long. The Titans are 22nd in running back schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Um, Alfred Blue may actually just get the start, and Miller may not play at all. Um, not sure about the tight ends. I, I guess they would probably both play C.J. Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin. I don't see them resting um, either one of those guys. And then as far as other teams that are motivated, uh, New England can clinch home field if they win in Miami. Miami's given up a lot of rushing production. The only thing here is New England has been making a conscious effort to kind of conserve uh, Julian Edelman. His snap counts have been 60, his snap percentages, excuse me, have been 69, 59, and 48 over his last three games. And his targets have been 15, 12, 8. So that's still a lot of targets that he's seeing, but... Because Miami's given up a lot of rushing production, and Edelman tends to come off the field when the Patriots are running the ball, so he doesn't have to run block. He seems to be kind of like a designated pass catcher. I could see a scenario where Edelman kind of puts up probably his slowest game of the season with Tom Brady back at the helm. So I think there's some 
risk there. Um, and because he's a little more pricey than some of the Texans guys, I don't think there's as much upside necessarily. Um, looking at the AFC going down in the standings, we have the Oakland Raiders who are in the two seed right now, but they need to win to hold on to that two seed or Kansas City can jump them if they beat San Diego. So Oakland will be highly motivated, but they are starting Matt McGloin at quarterback. I would think they feature the running backs. DeAndre Washington had a big week last week. Jalen Richard has been looking good all season long. And of course, Latavius Murray has been a problem in the red zone, scoring a lot of touchdowns. But you just you just really don't know sometimes with Murray how he's going to be used. Um, he gets pulled a lot. I think Washington ended up getting more of that work last week. But I would imagine that all three of these running backs uh, will be heavily involved in the game plan here. I think both defensive special teams are an option here. You have the Raiders highly motivated going against the Broncos offense that's probably less motivated. Um, Trevor Simeon having some problems. The Broncos can't run the ball. So you have Khalil Mack. You can create some problems there. And on the other side of the ball, Matt McGloin, uh, 11 career interceptions and about 260 or so passes. So he is liable to throw some picks And, of course, that Broncos defense probably wants to atone for getting straight-up embarrassed last week. So I think both defense special teams are an option in this game. uh, The Kansas City Chiefs, as I mentioned, they can get a bye if Oakland loses. And Casey and Oakland are both playing in the 4 o'clock slate. So Kansas City will be motivated um, no matter what. Antonio Gates on the Chargers side of the ball in this Kansas City game is one touchdown shy of Tony Gonzalez for the record for career tight end TDs. So San Diego not really motivated for anything, but as Josh Moore notes uh, in that article, he they could just be motivated to get Gates that record. Kansas City, of course, is fourth in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end, so they're really good against the tight end position. Gates has not scored a touchdown in his last four meetings with Kansas City. But I could see them kind of forcing it to him. But you'll probably need a two-touchdown game from Gates to really uh, see him produce value because uh, Gates, even if he catches one touchdown, he could still do something like three catches for 20 yards or something like that. Uh, Really, the yardage really hasn't been there for Gates aside from last week against Cleveland, and they're just pretty bad against the tight end. I guess I should have mentioned Cleveland has been really bad against the tight end, so I think Jesse James in that Cleveland game also a good option there and then Miami they can actually move up to the five seed if they win and Kansas City loses so Miami going against New England uh, I think you can deploy everybody as normal uh, as you would normally there um, because they're going to be highly motivated Uh, the difference between fifth and sixth not too much but um, still you never know what can happen in the NFL and if you're a fifth seed and, and, and the sixth seed makes it to the to the championship round as well. You do get that home game. So I'm sure the Dolphins would like that. Uh, TJ, uh, what you got for the NFC? Yeah, just going over these. Uh, before I get into the NFC, just uh, to reiterate, we're, we're going over these because uh, focusing in on these guys, obviously a lot of fantasy implications, but especially for cash games. I mean, week 17 is really weird. I, I went back and kind of find some looked for some trends, uh, teams that are in it, teams that aren't in it, and there just really isn't uh, any rhyme or reason. Obviously, it's a small sample, so uh, focusing on, in on these players that are definitely going to be playing, uh, really important for cash games. So starting with the teams in the NFC that have nothing to play for, we have uh, Dallas locked into the one seed, New York locked into the five seed. Uh, New York 
sounds like they're definitely going to be resting their starters um, on both sides of the ball against Washington. Uh, so that's a game that I'm going to touch on a little more uh, in a second. Dallas is locked into the number one seed. They haven't yet come out and explicitly stated that they'll rest their starters. Uh, but even if the starters do play, I think it's highly unlikely that they play the entire game. We even saw uh, last week in the blowout them pull their starters equal just 13 touches, I think. So uh, some evidence there that Dallas will rest their starters. I just don't see any reason for, for them to leave their starters in for four quarters with nothing to play for. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they technically can still make the playoffs. Uh, they don't control their own destiny. They need... Um, all kinds of ties and random teams to lose for strength of schedule. Uh, but they are playing in the early game. So when their game starts, they will not technically be eliminated based on other teams playing. So they do need a ton of help, but uh, they are the only team that is alive that is going to be playing in that early slate. So when their game kicks off, uh, they should be pretty motivated to, to at least try to get a, a W against the Panthers. Teams that need to win in the NFC, we have... The Washington Redskins, uh, Seattle Seahawks, Atlanta Falcons, Detroit Lions, and the Green Bay Packers. So Washington is the only team that is in a virtual win in their end scenario. Technically, they could win. Detroit and Green Bay could tie, and Washington wouldn't get in, but that's a very long shot. So not only does Washington need to win to get into the playoffs, uh, but they're also going to uh, to be playing a Giants team that is almost certainly going to be resting their starters. So out of all the playoff teams or potential playoff teams, Washington's probably in the best scenario uh, playing against backups. The big question mark in that game is if Rob Kelly's going to play. Uh, had an MRI, I think, on his knee, but it sounds like the team's trying to get him into the starting lineup. So that's the one position you definitely want to keep an eye on. Atlanta playing the uh, playing the Saints. Atlanta needs to win to lock up the two seed. They don't need help from anybody else, but uh, they are playing at the same time as Seattle, who can get the first round by if Seattle wins and Atlanta loses. So both of those teams will be playing at the same, same time. They won't know the outcome of the other team's game, so we should expect Seattle and Atlanta to uh, play as they would any other week. I already mentioned Washington. Uh, if uh, if they lose, then um, the Green Bay Packers and the Lions would be playing for the for for the division title. Yes, but they would yes, both make it, it to the playoffs. But they would still be playing for a home game on that first wild card week, though. So they'd still want to be motivated, I think. Right, right. So if uh, if Washington wins, then basically Detroit and Green Bay is an elimination game. Even if Washington loses, uh, Detroit and Green Bay is still playing for that division title. So uh, Detroit and Green Bay is the only game where where both teams uh, are expected to be highly motivated. So both sides of the ball should be playing as usual. And then teams with nothing to play for, but uh, maybe might play as we would expect. 49ers, Panthers, and Saints all eliminated from playoff contention, but they can play spoiler in some sense, whether it be eliminating a team from the playoffs or ruining a first round by uh, against a division rival. So that's something to take note of with those three teams. Definitely. And so for these teams, like say the, the teams that haven't come out and explicitly said that they're going to rest their starters. So their starters might play some of the game. Um, how willing would you be to, 
take a risk in tournaments on those guys. Like, say the Cowboys are going to say, okay, you know, Zeke and Dak, they're going to start the game, and Dez, we know, you know, the Eagles' defense has been struggling. How how much, how willing would you be, TJ, to kind of throw these guys in some tournament lineups? I mean, I, I have to think a, a team like, like Dallas, uh, I, I can't imagine that even if they do roll out their starters that they're going to come out uh, with some kind of uh, crazy game plan or, or really go deep in the playbook. I think it'd probably be something where they come out uh, really vanilla, just trying to keep their guys warm. But no matter the coach speak going into these situations, uh, the, these are the situations where I think if you kind of look back on week 17, if if Dak gets sacked or takes a big hit early, I think that's one of those situations where the coach is like, okay, I, I planned on playing them, but I'm not going to sit here and watch my guys get banged up. Uh, if Philly comes out, looks like they're playing really hard or, or uh, any kind of chippiness, I just don't think there there's any motivation for uh, the coaches to leave these players in. So I'm, I, I caution, uh, I err on the side of caution in these games just because there, there's really no need to, to keep them in. And we could see them, even if they start, be pulled as early as the first or second quarter. Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement there. I don't really see any of these teams that have everything locked up really playing their starters very much at all. Um, I think Houston is probably the most likely one just because I think their quarterback does need some work. Um, And I think if anybody, if there's any team I would put in a tournament, it would probably just be Houston because they're going against such a bad Mm -hmm. defense. But again, we're recording this Wednesday night, so... You guys, please stay tuned to some of the news. We don't have any Thursday games, so you can kind of wait. You know, maybe till Saturday or something. Or, but whenever the news comes out, um, stay tuned because we don't we don't know exactly what all these teams are gonna do. Uh, TJ, uh, are, would you be hesitant at all to deploy players from teams that are eliminated from the playoffs? I guess the teams that we haven't even mentioned that they're just eliminated from the playoffs. They're not really playing a spoiler. They're just kind of you know there, like you know the Bears, the Bengals, the Vikings. The uh, the the Eagles, the the Jaguars, uh, Rams, you know teams like that. Um, are you hesitating at all to to use any players from those guys? Uh, I, I think what I think my approach um, in these situations in turn, obviously in cash games, I'm going to be very hesitant because I want that floor, I want that safety. I think in cash games, uh, not necessarily. I'm I'm sorry, in GPPs, I'm not necessarily afraid to to roll those guys out, especially if they're in good matchups. Uh, you know, there's still tons of guys playing for contracts, playing for bonuses, uh, guys that are, are backups that might be playing for a, a possible new contract. So there's tons of scenarios that you could kind of look into and look for an edge. But I think the way that that I approach it compared to a, a an average week is I'm just going to spread out my exposure way more evenly where I might find someone in a good matchup if uh, on, on just kind of a random team might be way overweight on that guy in a good matchup uh, in a week like this where where you're not exactly sure what the the playing time is going to be or how coaches are going to to change rosters based on different motivations and whatnot uh, just going with a really even exposure across the board on these guys yeah I agree I think my approach in tournaments is going to kind of be I want to target guys either who have had a bad season, so they might just be trying Mm -hmm. to get them some numbers in Week 17. Like if Brandon Marshall, for example, plays, he'll be playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, I could see 
Fitzpatrick forcing him the ball, you know, 15 to 18 times as Marshall's on the field. Uh, Allen Robinson has had a really tough season. I could see Blake Bortles kind of just forcing it to him as well. And then also kind of playing some of the young guys who maybe we thought were going to have a better season, but maybe didn't really come on as well as we thought. So, you know, a guy like a Devin Funchess or, or a Philip Dorsett or somebody like that, you know, a lot of the younger guys. And then, uh, something I talked about last week, just these guys who are really fast. Because I think <laughs> in Week 17, especially in Week 17, I mean, the guys who are still really fast, you might be playing against players who are kind of mentally checked out. There could be breakdowns in coverage, coverage busts. And just a lot of guys are super banged up. So, like, I'll have a lot of exposure to guys like Tyreek Hill, Taylor Gabriel, um, J.J. Nelson, all those guys, I mean, they're very liable to just go nuts in, in, in Week 17 just because um, you never know what's really going on on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, we, in cash games we're talking about, you know, who's motivated on the offensive side of the ball. But let's not forget that on defense, you know, you have to question the motivation as well. And there might be a lot of teams on defense not very motivated uh, to play. So, um, that those are kind of the three guys I'm going to go after. It's kind of guys who have been disappoint, had disappointing veterans with disappointing seasons, um, young guys who we had high hopes for, and maybe the teams would just like to get a good look at going into their second or third um, seasons, and then fast guys. Let's get it right into our main segment, starting off with the quarterback position and. I'm going to go with Matt Ryan here. I thought about Aaron Rodgers because I love the fact that, you know, he's just been playing lights out and the Detroit Lions are on pace to set a record for the worst completion percentage allowed. They're at 79, uh, 72.9%, excuse me, completion rate allowed. That would be the highest ever. The Colts um, were 71.2% in 2011. But looking at the over-unders this week and... Falcon Saints has an over-under of 56.5. Only three other games have a total above 46, and none are at 50. So, you know, the Falcons have a 31.5 point implied point total, and that's just tough to pass up um, when you have a quarterback who's usually responsible for about 70% of, of that production. Uh, Ryan is third in points per game on both FanDuel and DraftKings. The New Orleans Saints are 22nd in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, and the Saints are tied for the most 300-yard passing games allowed with seven, and they also gave up three touchdowns and a half to Jared Goff, which is probably even more ridiculous than that previous stat. Yeah, like Matt Ryan, uh, all, all these quarterbacks with something to play for happen to all actually be in pretty decent matchups as well. So uh, you can get exposure to to pretty much all these guys if you're playing a ton of tournaments. But a uh, guy, guy that stands out to me that's pretty safe, also a really good value is Russell Wilson. 7,600 on FanDuel, 6,800 on DraftKings. As we mentioned in the intro, uh, Seattle does still have a chance at a first-round buy if Atlanta loses and they're playing at the same time. So Seattle should be rolling out their normal offense. Uh, Seattle's favored by 9.5 with an implied point total over 26. San Francisco is allowed the third-most fantasy points per attempt over the last six weeks. And it does look like Thomas Rawls... Uh, is is at practice but a little bit banged up not sure how much they're they're going to rely on that running game with Rawls so I think Wilson against the San Francisco defense 
uh, needing a win to get that by is a guy that I'm going to be very comfortable rolling out in all formats this week. Who would you rather stack him with, Jimmy Graham, Doug Baldwin, or Jermaine Curse? <sighs> from uh, just from a, a pure projection perspective, I'm always I always like Baldwin, but with Lock It Out, I think. Uh, from a leverage standpoint, probably Curse. Gotcha. Yeah, I was I, I was thinking about that. I mean, Curse is just so bad. Um, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Russell Wilson throws him the ball a lot, and you know, in a Week 17 game against pretty much the sec at one of the bottom three defenses in the league, um, if not the the worst or the second worst. Um, I could see Curse at least putting up some kind of numbers. The price is the price is right, but I'm probably gonna have exposure to all three. I I don't think you can forget about Graham here either. Travis Kelsey will probably garner a ton of ownership after he's just been going straight nuts um, for these last uh, eight weeks or so. So I think Graham might be a little under owned relative to what he should be in, in a good matchup as well. My key stat: the Cleveland Browns have allowed multiple passing touchdowns in 80% of their games. So don't sleep on Landry Jones. I know we're going to talk a lot about D'Angelo Williams and perhaps Fitzgerald Toussaint, but if there's ever a game where Landry Jones could do something, it's also this one. And it's also Landry Jones, so... Uh, who knows? Who knows how that could end up happening? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> he, there's like an eighty percent chance he throws multiple touchdowns and an eighty percent chance he throws multiple picks. Right. That so that's that's my concern there. Um, all of my key stats this week are hashtag narrative street since it is week seventeen. Uh, let's throw the real stats out the window and go for the narrative street. My key hashtag narr- narrative street stat of the week. Kirk Cousins needs 370 yards for the ninth 5,000-yard season in history and to become just the fifth individual player to hit the 5,000-yard mark. Oh, yeah, good stuff. I think he'll probably get there if the Giants uh, aren't really playing too hard. Running back, D'Angelo Williams, as I mentioned. Um, he's 4500 on FanDuel, so that's a really amazing price there. 5500 on DraftKings despite the higher salary cap. Um, st- still would be worth it if he starts. And I'll talk a little more about that in a second. Uh, and, again, we're recording this Wednesday night, so we're not certain that D'Angelo is going to start. It looks like it. But if for some reason word comes out that um, he won't, it, it would be Fitzgerald Toussaint. He's also 4500 on FanDuel, and he's 4300 on DraftKings. As I mentioned, the Steelers are six-point home favorites, so the running backs have that going for them. Um, the Browns are 31st in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. They're allowing 147.6 rushing yards per game and 1.13 rushing touchdowns per game. And even if, say, D'Angelo and Toussaint split work, they could still both conceivably hit value because the Browns are allowing 28.8 DraftKings points per game to running back and 25.5 FanDuel points per game to running back. So if you take what the Browns allow... And divide that by the combined salaries of Williams and Toussaint. You get 2.93x on DraftKings, which is pretty solid. I'm usually looking for around 3x. And then on FanDuel, you get 2.83x because they're both minimum price, which is way over you know the normal uh, value multiplier that you're usually looking for. So um, I don't see too much risk with either one of these guys. I'm just not sure exactly how the... 
carries will shake out yet. I, I, I have a gut feeling that they might look to use this as a tune-up for D'Angelo since he's kind of been missing time. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to be worried about protecting him. I could be wrong, though. So, again, um, stay tuned for, for that. TJ? Yeah, so, I mean, this Pittsburgh off. I'm really curious about. You kind of answered it, um, and at the end, they're talking about the DraftKings points allowed by Cleveland. Uh, my my concern, like if they end up, if D'Angelo Williams is active, and we think they're probably going to split carries, uh, do you like their floor enough to play them in cash games? If say uh, Rob Kelly is announced uh, 100%, he's a go. He's starting for Washington. Tin, team that needs to win against a Pittsburgh team that's going to have um, a lot of their backups in. I think in tournaments, they're probably going to be a very popular uh, uh, team to target in, ca- in tournaments just because they're playing a bad Cleveland defense, uh, all these backups with really cheap price tags, but it's all backups. So that means the the uh, the offense could just end up playing really, really bad. Um any concerns there just about the Pittsburgh offense overall and the timeshare in terms of floor for a cash game? Um, on FanDuel, no, because uh, D'Angelo and Tassan are both 4,500. So mm-hmm. pretty much no, because like they're, they're literally playing against the worst defense in the like, mm-hmm. one of the worst defenses that, you know, that we've seen. So I don't really have a concern there on DraftKings. I do think you have to probably go in another direction there because these guys are priced up on DraftKings. They're not the minimum. I think in that situation, you kind of look to, like you mentioned, guys like Rob Kelly. Um, we'll see if Thomas Rawls goes. If he doesn't, you got a guy like Alice Collins. Um, Ronnie Hillman will probably get a lot of work. Alfred Blue. So there are definitely some other options, I think, on DraftKings to where I would not play those guys in cash. But on FanDuel at 4500 um, I like what you can do there. Um, in other spots, if you if you choose to roster um, a running back at forty five hundred this week, yeah, that that price tag on FanDuel is you you almost never get that opportunity. Um, my guy at running back, at least uh, in terms of a value play, I like your quiz Rogers fifty two hundred on FanDuel, forty nine hundred on DraftKings. Uh, as I mentioned, Tampa Bay still has an outside shot at the playoffs, and they are playing in this early game. Doug Martin and Charles Sims both inactive going into this week, so it should be uh, the Jacquez Rogers show. Tampa Bay is favored by six with an implied point total over 26. Carolina ranks 23rd in uh, running back AFPA. I don't really know what Carolina's motivation is going to be. They strike me as one of those teams that could really just mail it in and uh, not show up at all for this one, so... I like your quiz Rogers if you uh, need to save a couple bucks at the running back position. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Martin. I mean, I think Rogers had a huge game against Carolina. I think that was like his coming mm-hmm. out party earlier this year. Yeah, it was just, first his first start, I think. Yeah, they just ran him against Carolina pretty much on every play. So that'll that'll be interesting. That's another option in, on DraftKings and cash. He's actually cheaper than than D'Angelo. So yeah, in cash, I think you have to go another direction unless we get clarity that. It's going to be kind of like a tune-up game. For D-Will, my key stat, the Miami Dolphins have allowed 5.56 yards per carry to running backs over the last five weeks. My key hashtag narrative street stat, David Johnson can become the first running back to total 100 scrimmage yards in every single game in a 16-game season if he does so this week. If. If <laughs> when when he reaches 100 total yards, come on, man. 
Um, yeah, uh, I think David Johnson is a is still a great play. Um, did, the Cardinals were essentially eliminated last week, and they still rode him. He was still lining up at wide receiver. They still they still scored thirty four points against the Seahawks defense, no less. So. Love yeah, that, that's a um, that's an interesting note to make. Going back to our intro, and if you can kind of go through last week's snap counts, and if teams were eliminated and were playing uh, some of their starters full snaps, that could be an indication that that they might still do it in week seventeen. So uh, that that was what I was thinking about with Johnson as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I think they'll try to get him that record at least. I could see them pulling him maybe after he gets the record. One, because you don't want to get him hurt. And two, because you can always get like a loss of yardage and then he doesn't get the record anymore. Something mm-hmm. silly like that. So I guess it's, it just comes down to how many touchdowns will he have by the time he gets to 100 yards. That's kind of the way, <laughs> that's kind of the way I look at it. Moving on to the wide receiver position. Golden Tate is 6,600 on DK, 5,700 on FanDuel, eighth among wide receivers and targets per game over the last six weeks with 9.3. The Green Bay Packers are 31st in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They just gave up a monster game to Adam Thielen last week. And Golden Tate has been aided by game flow this year, and this is a game um, where we do expect the Packers, just because they've been playing such good offense, to probably jump out with a lead um it's not a guarantee because their defense has also been bad but um if the 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 Packers are a favorite and when the Lions have been an underdog um Golden Tate has averaged 6.75 receptions per game when they're a favorite he's only averaged 4.43 so if things work out uh the way they have been uh, Tate should get a ton of receptions he's probably going to do so um either way because he is been their most heavily targeted uh receiver and then we also have jj nelson he's 5300 on fanduel 4600 on DraftKings, and he's played in four games this season where he's played 70 percent or more of the snaps which he's doing now because the team let go of michael floyd after he fell asleep at the wheel drunk and john brown hasn't been able to log a full complement of snaps because he has a sickle sell trait so Nelson's snaps have been up and in those four games where he's played 70% or more he's averaged 4.5 catches 83.1 yards and 1.0 touchdowns per game on 9.3 targets per game he's had seven or more targets in each of those games the Rams are 24th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers and Nelson's fast yeah, I mean, I, I like both of those calls a lot. Like the fast guys, a lot, lot of affordable uh, opportunities in the passing game, and that, uh, especially on the Detroit side of the ball in that game. Um, wide receiver that that I still like. You you expressed some concerns about Edelman, uh, sixty eight hundred on Fanduel, sixty four hundred on DraftKings. I'm still going to be rolling them out in uh, in all formats. New England still needs to win to lock up that top seed, so I think they'll be uh, running their offense as expected. Uh, they're playing in the early game, so there will be nothing uh, changes once once their game starts. They'll be, uh, th- as far as they know, they'll need a win uh, to lock up that one seed. Edelman double-digit targets in five of six games. Uh, last week, obviously, huge blowout, so a little more run-heavy. I mean, if his floor is eight targets, I'm still going to be pretty happy with that in a week where it's going to be really hard to uh, predict production from. Uh, 
most of the players going this week. And Miami does rank 28th wide receiver adjusted fantasy points allowed. So I think Edelman, uh, pretty good floor. I, I'm, I'm fine with fading him in tournaments, but I think I'm still going to be rolling him out quite a bit. I am, uh, another guy. I am really surprised that you went that you didn't go back to uh, Doug Baldwin here over over Edelman. I, I I wanted to. I was actually going to do do both Baldwin and Edelman here. I, I decided to pick one, but I I do like Baldwin. Uh, I talked up Russell Wilson, so I figured I would give a I would give another guy. But yes, for all the reasons I I like Russ, I I love Baldwin as well. Baldwin's a little more expensive on on mm-hmm. DraftKings yeah. than Edelman, so you are getting a little bit of a discount there. Uh, so that's worth noting. But Baldwin's definitely in play. Uh, another guy staying in a game that that is. On a team that needs to win, Devontae Adams, $6,800 on FanDuel, $5,700 on DraftKings. I obviously like his teammate Jordy Nelson, but you're getting Devontae Adams a little bit cheaper. Uh, You're getting that cheap exposure to Aaron Rodgers, who's been uh, probably the best quarterback in the league of late. If we exclude uh, Matt Moore's really small sample size and that four-touchdown game against the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is top two in both touchdown rate and fantasy points per pass attempt over the past six weeks. Uh, this game has the second highest over under of the week. The spread is just three and a half. Green Bay, even um, even with the Ty Montgomery work lately, they're still throwing almost 70% of the time in the red zone, the third most red zone attempts over the last six weeks. And Adams is one of eight players with double-digit red zone targets in those six weeks. So I like uh, Adams as a, a little bit of a cheap exposure to A-Rod. Yeah, and as you always say, we don't really compare notes before we – go on air and my key stat is actually that Devontae Adams is seventh in FanDuel and DraftKings points per game over the last 10 weeks. Love it. Uh, my key hashtag narrative street stat, Steve, Steve Smith said he is 89% sure that this is going to be his last game in the NFL. Um, Steve Smith's really good at narrative street. So uh, no stats to back it up, but ton of Steve Smith for me this week. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting because that's a that's a tough matchup. Although they, if they, if he gets on um, Adam Jones, but I think he'll be super low owned. So I do like that there. Moving on to tight ends, Travis Kelsey. I don't see how you can fade this guy in cash at this point. Um, he's just been a monster. He's tied for fourth in the league in targets per game over the past six, and that's not among tight ends. That's in the league period. He nine point five targets per game over the last. Six weeks, he has six 100-yard games since week eight, while no other tight end has more than one, and the Chargers have allowed the fourth most yards per game to tight ends over the last five weeks at 71.6 yards per game, so I think you're going to see some more off-rhythm white guy dancing in the end zone from Travis Kelsey this week. He's trying really hard, though. Like he's, <laughs> you, you know, he's not him, shy. Yeah. Like you got to give him an A for effort, but I mean, he needs to hang out with I don't like some Odell Beckham or somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just get a little more rhythm because dancing like, with the stars. Like I'm sure Black Twitter is just having a lot of fun with like you know Kelsey's like <laughs> off rhythm dancing man. Like he's probably a meme for like reasons that he doesn't even understand right now. I think even wasn't even Marquette King making fun of him or something. I yes, think Mar- yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it, come on, Travis, get your dance game up, bro. <laughs> yeah, Kelsey clearly the top tight end this week. 
Uh, if I'm going to go off the board, I, I said there's a lot of uh, valuable options in the Detroit passing game. Eric Ebron's 5800 on FanDuel, only $3,600 on DraftKings. Coming off of a 12-target game, five-plus targets in four straight games. If you look at 4 for 4 projections, he is a top-two projected value at the tight end position. And Detroit's offense ranks fourth in red zone pass attempts over the last six weeks. We've talked about this game being important. Uh, for real-life football situations, uh, really high over-under, really close spread. So if they do get it close, Eric Ebron could be a nice little Hail Mary at a discount, especially on DraftKings. Yeah, definitely. Uh, came on strong uh, last week. My key stat is four of the last five teams to play the Dallas Cowboys have targeted uh, their starting tight end at least eight times. And over that five-week span, Dallas is allowing an average of 12 targets and 8.4 catches to the tight end position, including uh, a pretty big game from Ebron Ebron, last week. And my key hashtag narrative street stat, I guess this is kind of anti-narrative street. Um, Even though Antonio Gates is just one short of Tony Gonzalez's all-time touchdown record, which you mentioned in the intro, he came out today and said that he's likely coming back next year, stating this isn't how he expected to go out. So uh, maybe they don't even they don't even try to get it to him. That's interesting. That's like the contrarian anti-narrative street. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, kicker, we got kicker. I'm going with uh, Stephen Hauschka, forty-seven hundred dollars. The Seahawks are favored by nine and a half with an implied point total over 26. Uh, he is priced the same as Steven Goskowski, but it does look like there are going to be wind concerns in that New England game. Uh, right now, the forecast says 18 mile per hour winds. Obviously, it's really early in the week, um, but all things being equal, give me the kicker that doesn't have the wind problems. Definitely. And my defense is also uh, in this game, it's the Seattle Seahawks. They're 5,200. On FanDuel and 3,700 on DraftKings. And the 49ers are 23rd in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. You mentioned the Seahawks are 9.5 point favorites. And San Francisco probably had a bottom three offense coming into the year in terms of their skill position players. And they are now going to be without their starting running back, Carlos Hyde, both starting receivers outside in Torrey Smith and Quentin Patton, and their starting tight end, Vance McDonald. All of those guys are on the injured reserve. So, yes, Seattle's defense has been a little shaky over these past four games. They've allowed uh, two teams to hit the 30-plus point mark, but they've also held... Uh, two other teams that they've faced to seven points or less in the last four games. So Seattle defense a little volatile, but this is another game where I could I could see them pitching a shutout in this game. Um, a highly motivated Seattle team, uh, a San Francisco team that's not very motivated at all, that just really doesn't have anything going for them. And of course, the Seahawks are somewhat familiar with Colin Kaepernick from the days when the 49ers were actually good. So this isn't like... Some teams, when they face Kaepernick and they really haven't faced him before or faced him too much, um, Seattle is going to understand him, and he's really the only guy you have to prepare for on this offense with all of the skill guys out. So I think Seattle Seattle is my, uh, sh- my shutout call here. 
this week. Um, speaking of calls, TJ, um, we went with some uh, contrarian stat calls last week. Um, let's do it again this week. Give me a contrarian stack or just a stack that you think is going to be pretty well owned uh, for week 17. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been going back and forth on, on who I, I really like. I think I'm going to go back to the well this week. I really, uh, I was really all over Jameis last week, and he was okay but not fantastic. I'm going to go back to Jameis against Tampa Bay. I don't know if um, Evans will be very highly owned, but I do think Jameis will be very low owned. I think a lot of people will be on your quiz, and I already mentioned that Tampa Bay uh, is playing for something. So one of the few quarterbacks – uh, possibly playing for something that could be really low owned. I like Jameis Winston and Mike Evans. I like that. Um, I actually have three. I have three. So, um, I, I can't pick just one, so I'm gonna pick three. They're a little off the board. Um, the first one is going to be uh, EJ Manuel <laughs> to Charles Clay. Um, I think Charles Clay has really started to come alive over these past few games, um, and. I think the Jets' offense can still be thrown on. I think it's just going to be a sloppy game. We know the Jets have really kind of checked out. You know, Sheldon Richardson is looking for prostitutes instead of trying to play in football games. He said he'd rather, you know, he, he's, he'd rather, you know, find those than playing at Miami game. So, I mean, I, I think this Jets' defense is just kind of mentally checked out. And I think, you know, this game is going to be a game that pretty much nobody's going to be looking at. So I like that one. Then I like uh, Landry Jones to Kobe Hamilton. That's actually our top stack value on our DraftKings stack value reports. Uh, both of those guys are at the minimum price. And I could see a situation where Landry Jones, I'm sure he's worked with Kobe Hamilton a lot in practice um, for a lot of the season. And I think a lot of people are going to kind of go in the Eli Rogers direction. So I like it as a leverage pr- play and just because it's kind of it's just like a preseason game where you're gonna you're going against a bad defense and Hamilton could very well be the number one outside receiver even if Rodgers you know he's in the slot so um, like that one and then one that's a little more um, I guess not as contrarian but it would definitely be low owned um, because people are probably not going to pay too much attention to this game either is Andy Dalton and Brandon LaFell. Um, we know Dalton can can sling it around, and in Week 17, the Ravens kind of had a huge letdown where they pretty much thought they were going to win that game until there was, you know, in, in, until the final minutes of that game where Pittsburgh just really just broke their heart on Christmas Day. Antonio Brown sticking the ball across the end zone. Um, Brandon LaFell has seen nine or more targets in four of his last six games he had a six for 130 and one last week seven catches for 91 yards the week before that and uh, two weeks before that he had five for 95 and one against the Eagles I don't expect AJ Green to play uh, much if at all in this in this game and I think LaFell's kind of been racking up the numbers toward the end of the year he's their main outside receiver Dalton's only 100 above minimum and I think both of those guys will be um, pretty low and especially Dalton so um, those are my three kind of contrarian calls for this week yeah i like it I like it a lot you don't like the landry jones but I, it's happening I, it's no <laughs> i i do i mean as as much as i'm a little nervous about the offense i mean it makes a ton of sense i think it'd be foolish to uh ignore the possible value uh and the matchup it, it makes sense no definitely um 
yeah, so that's about it for DFS MVP. Just want to remind you guys that 4for4.com's daily fantasy subscriptions for 2017 are available now at an early bird discount rate. If you subscribe now, you will get the rest of this season free. So that's week 17, of course. And then we go throughout all of the playoffs for all you degenerates out there. We'll have the same content schedule um, as the regular season. So we'll still have the cash game and the tournament articles and the stacking articles and the ownership articles and all that. So um, if you want to get a little jump start and maybe get into some playoff DFS, which is a lot of fun actually because it, there's a lot of good teams and there's a less research to do, so you can kind of you can kind of practice on these small slates and you can really kind of do a deep dive into these matchups instead of trying to go through every game on the main slate, which I know is uh, might be intimidating for a lot of people. So if you're thinking about subscribing or getting more into DFS. Um, next year, but you want to kind of get your feet wet um, in week 17 and in the playoffs, definitely check out our early bird subscription rates for the 4 for 4 DFS subscription. You can go to my Twitter. I'm at Chris Raybon, and my pinned tweet has a link where you can sign up. Um, You guys also please follow uh, TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez and Keep in mind, guys, we will also be doing the podcast uh, throughout the playoffs as well. So we'll be back here next week. Uh, TJ, want to close out with a few words about Roster Coach? Yeah, we are still uh, still have Roster Coach rolling through the postseason as well. Uh, lots of – same thing over there. All the content that, that we've been doing all year where you just get a chance to really look at our process. Uh, you can You can go to Roster Coach. Get all these game breakdowns, like Chris mentioned, a little bit shorter slates so we can get a little more in-depth to these games. Uh, if you do want to play some playoff DFS and, and don't have time to do the research yourself, uh, the coaches like Chris and myself are available for one-on-one DFS coaching. Uh, we will be rolling out, already started rolling out some NBA content with two really great NBA coaches over there as well. Um, and outside of that, I mean, we are doing this uh, throughout the playoffs, but we know not all of you will continue to play DFS throughout the playoffs. So just a big shout out to everybody that's been listening. Tons of positive feedback this year um, on the DFS side for 4 for 4 uh, for all of our Twitter followers. You guys have been really great um, reaching out, interacting. It's been a really fun year. And a special shout out to the community. Uh, we've got a lot of love this year from the beginning of the season till now to uh bunch of other writers people that work for i hate to call them uh competing sites because i don't view it as a competition it's one big family and uh really appreciate all the names uh whether um i've I've got a chance to interact with you or not if you've given us a shout out we really really appreciate it guys definitely we really do i echo everything tj said thank you each and every one of you for listening to dfs mvp have a happy new year and a safe new year as well And again, we will be here next week breaking down the wild card round. Any last words, CJ? I just make shmoney a lot. Let's get this shmoney. Now we're going back like DAs and wearing PJs. Now
Army, we used to be gauge Running trains for three days Who wanna ride? It won't cost you a dollar With a sword for horror Of course you're still gonna holler Mama, I'm thick I rip up through your hooters I'm sick You couldn't measure my For six hooters Hold up, true lie I'm all about getting loot But I 